Hey, AGs, are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic nonstick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. No matter the season, I will always find shade. If you listen to me closely, you can hear me not caring. (laughs) The only thing I regret about my minivan is not getting it sooner. (laughs) You guys. It's Andy's Girls. It's episode 259, and it is the the last day, maybe, of Bravoholic Appreciation Week. I forget how weeks work, so I feel like it's, I don't know if, if Bravoholic Appreciation Week is a, is a business week. I don't know if we're including, you know, Saturday fun day in there, but regardless, today is my Bravoholic Appreciation Day with extra glamour, because I'm so excited to have back someone whose first off Zoom background is absolutely iconic, Beverly Hills from this season, but two of my absolute favorite people who run one of my genuine favorite accounts. They have a podcast. They are they always kill it on social, and I love to have them on Andy's Girls back to the people's people's couch. Welcome back, Abby and Vanessa from Real Moms of Bra. Bravo. How are we? We're great. Thank you so much for having us. We are thrilled to be here. I, 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 truly a pleasure. What better way to celebrate Bravoholic Week, Appreciation Week, than just getting a bunch of Bravoholics together? And women supporting women. 
Yes, we do support other women here at the People's People's Couch. I have to say that I am actually recording today's episode from the empty apartment next door to my own because not only is it Bravoholic Appreciation Week, but it is also repainting my apartment week. And I am having, thanks to um, my beloved, shout out to my beloved Super Fabio and his beloved nephew, Carlos, who have spent the entire week repainting my apartment. First time it's happened in over a decade. And what an experience this has been. I feel like I am moving into a new place, but that also means that I'm in an empty apartment right now. So if you guys can hear a little bit of an echo, 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 just take it all in. It's I'm sure the sound is sublime. It's rustic. Just enjoy it. It's a rustic experience that what we're having. That's my favorite word to use when things aren't as polished as I want them to be. We always say our show is a rustic program because we don't have producers. We just do it ourselves. And there's People really not here a lot for the content, not the yeah. quality of sound. Exactly. They're here for the, content. Here for the yeah. content. If you've been here for 258 episodes, mm. you're definitely here for 259. The number of times I've heard this actually from other content creators about the AG audience, which is like they're so emotionally intelligent, intelligently intelligent, like people are really connected to having the kinds of long form combos that I know that we're going to have today. But I hear from people the second the absolute second that there's any kind of audio issue, which has now left, I now get anxiety when I'm anticipating that there might be a slight kerfuffle as a result. So I think you're raising a very valid point, which is guys, you know, content creators, much like small businesses, we're kind of doing it on our own. And we appreciate that. Again, the focus is on the conversation and also the siren that I can hear with an echo because welcome to New York City. I do want to say if you want to guarantee a sound quality, like quality issue or technical issue, just think of your most dream guest to have on. And that Mm -hmm. is the episode it will happen. Like your favorite Bravo celebrity, they agree to finally come on your podcast. I can promise you there'll be a glitch. There'll be pieces that don't record for some reason. It's it's amazing how that works. Who um and first off, can you guys introduce yourselves so that people know whose voices are are whose? That would probably be a, a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> we should have talked for 45 minutes and then done oh that. Oh my god, I would love it. I would um, love it. I am Abby, one half of Real Moms of Bravo. And I'm Vanessa. And we're the real moms of Bravo. <laughs> so you guys can, uh, we are a weekly Bravo <laughs> podcast where we intersect bra- reality television, Bravo, and motherhood. We share our mm. anecdotes. We uh, record weekly. You can follow us or find us wherever you're listening to this podcast. And then on the side, we make memes um, about mom life or about just our reactions to housewives. So really fun stuff. <laughs> ask because you guys have done such a great job of often like translating things that are happening through the lens of both of your perspectives and as you've said the lens of motherhood motherhood which is such an important voice to have especially when we're talking about housewives because so many of the stories that we watch on housewives have to do with the experience of being a mother What has your perspective changed at all just based on your experiences being Bravoholics? What do you think has been, uh, has there been a difference in 
how you've kind of reflected on some of the journeys that we've seen through your roles as content creators? I think like early on, we just kind of always wanted to go in the mindset of like not mom bashing and not like judging. Mm -hmm. So I do think there's times where like, we'll see a housewife maybe really act out of character. And then we'll find out that like their kid was going through a regression or they were struggling with postpartum and didn't want to admit it. And so I think sometimes maybe we have a little bit more of like a sympathetic view or we're a little bit more like lenient with some of the housewives knowing that like motherhood could really take it out of you and it can make you sometimes do and say things you wouldn't typically say. So I think we kind of give um, maybe give a little bit more grace um, with the housewives just from when we watched before becoming moms. I was definitely more judgmental pre-motherhood. Yeah, I think compassion is everything. We, I think, tend to be a lot more compassionate where some people are quick to judge someone. We're usually like, well, you know, they're a mom. We just, it always feels wrong to bash someone on their mothering. We never, if we like talk poorly of a housewife, it's based on their actions, not because they are a mom and how they mother their children. Is it weird? I'm I'm like literally having a moment. Who has been harshly I know this is like so stupid because I'm sure it's literally oh there's a list of a hundred plus have there been specific housewives who who you feel like have been judged especially poorly based on their parenting style or sensibilities I think um I mean I feel like at times maybe Ashley Darby kind of was given a tough go um I also think when people are pregnant on the show, they get a lot of criticism. And I'm not Teddy Mellencamp's biggest fan, but, like, I don't know if it was fair to say, like, everyone's like, her last season, she was so boring. She couldn't even party. Well, she, I mean, she was pregnant. Like She was literally pregnant. Like, yeah, yeah she couldn't party, like, in the sense of, like, getting drunk with Renna and Kyle. But, like, I don't know. I feel like sometimes uh, there's some tougher, like, expectations there. I really struggle sometimes, too, with Catherine from Southern Charm because I think she gets a lot of criticism for and how, like, how she, and she, yeah. yeah, because of being a mom and, like, and people, I don't know, I think people make a lot of judgment with her. Now, I will say, like, I understand she has done some problematic things, but I think it's outside of motherhood, those problems where I have, like, where I have the biggest problem with her, but I hate when people judge her parenting style or make up rumors about, like, the way she's parenting her kids. Yeah, and the sadness there, the darkness is that so many of the rumors and like the toxic conversation are being created or inflamed by her former partner, by her the the person who ostensibly they're supposed to, you know, co-parent together and hiring a private eye and everything else. It's just incredibly incredibly toxic. We're kind of seeing that with Jim Edmonds right now, too. I think some of the statements he's been making about Megan King and her recent marriage, like, I get it. They move very fast. But make statements about that, not like calling the mother of your child, your children, a stranger. Like, I just think, I don't know, it just makes you wonder what's happening. If this is what they're saying to the media, like, what do they say to one another via text or on phone calls? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I just took a dark turn. I didn't mean for it to. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it like, should. It hope, should. No, I no, no. It your should. feels today. <laughs> <laughs> it should take whatever turn it takes. And I also have to say, um, I just rewatched the Beverly Hills reunion, which ended in such an emotional place that I actually feel pretty emotional, just even in having a conversation. So I'm so happy that it's, you know, that I'm speaking to two people who I trust so much because I do think that you know, Housewives is an escape and a way for us to celebrate and talk about these like shady moments and like what the fuck just happened this week. But there are also incredibly touching moments between members of families who, in the case of Kyle and um, Kathy, for were in were estranged in many ways because of the show. And so to watch the end of part two and the ways that Kathy sort of refused as a bodily instinct, refused to allow herself to discuss her feelings, grieving her mother as well. She should um, do whatever, you know, makes you safe, especially when it's in front of cameras, but also see them like mourn that time that they lost and also reflect on the fact that thank God they still have time together. It's incredibly emotional. I think anytime, I think one thing that can unite all of us in the Bravo world is Kathy crying. It's like, Oh, you see her cry. And I think everyone, like, it's like a unified front. Like no one's going after her or thinking they're fake crocodile tears or like whatever it may be. That felt very um, authentic. And Abby and I were talking about it today on our show. I feel like so much of their beef, I feel like, or the beef that they had, I feel like so much of it is Kathy just wanting to honor and just protect her memory of her mom. I don't, I don't believe that Kyle was trying to portray her mother or their life in, in a poor manner or poor taste. I just feel like Kathy has kind of like an old school mentality of letting the dead rest and like wants to protect that image of her mom. As, so I'm glad that they've come full circle and that they're together and they're now able to um, be hunky dory and doogie and, you know, Kathy do dental work on Kyle or whatever it may be. I'm glad they've come to that. Do you think that their relationship, this is an impossible question, so welcome to Andy's Girls. Do you think that their relationship will be able to maintain itself in the healing way that it is now, regardless of a natural ebb and flow, if they both remain on Housewives? I think for the two of them, yes. Because I think they're kind of um, where they're at in their lives. I think if Kim were to come back, um, mm. I could see that dynamic fracture, like creating a fracture with all three of them. Um, just because I think Kathy feeling that like maternal like protectiveness over her two sisters being the oldest I think she feels it very strongly with Kim just because you know Kim is single and you know has battled addiction so I just think she's a little bit more protective with her so I could see that maybe being I, I don't think it'd be a good idea for Kim, Kim to come back I loved Kim Richards I was and I do love her like we saw her at BravoCon she was like the sweetest soul like just like mm -hmm. such a sweet person but I don't like I there's certain people like I don't want them to come back because I don't think it'd be good for like their long term health. And I I think that could fracture the relationship. However, it's just if it's just the two of them, I think they'll be OK. We'll see a few like 
bickering as sisters do. Um, I'm one of three girls. So like, I can tell you there are like, you know, there's times where it's two on one. Sometimes you're the one, sometimes you're with the two. (laughs) Sometimes it's one versus one versus one. You never really know what you're going to get with, uh, with three sisters. I also think as long as Kathy remains friend of, which I don't foresee her like becoming full time. I think they'll be good. Like, I think she's just there to have fun, you know, be hunky dory, show up to parties, add like the humor. Um, I think they should be good. Right. And I feel like the power structure being what it is, you know, Kyle has 11 seasons or whatever the number is under her belt. She is enormous cachet with production with the network. And I think deservedly so. I'm a Kyle stan. Thank you so much. But I have to say that, you know, the Kathy of it all, I think Kathy will always remain alpha in the group. Like I don't see versus like LVP where a lot of it has to do with production. I think Kathy is honestly a natural alpha and it's fascinating to watch them interact with each other because we all know okay but Kyle's an OG and like everything else and yet every Dorit is terrified of Kathy like everybody is like okay whatever Kathy wants Kathy gets it is crazy how they all just kind of like enamored by her like it's just like she really can do no wrong with the group and even if she Mm -hmm. kind of messes up they're just like oh Kathy but if it was somebody else they would have like jumped on them It, it there is like a there's a sense of like Kathy's untouchable. And I, but I also think they realize, I think the thing with Beverly Hills is they are very aware of the fans perspectives and like Mm. opinions and some franchises like, I don't listen to it and I'm just going to be myself and others will play into it. Good or bad. I think OC we're seeing them play into it in a bad way and going to the extremes. But I think Beverly Hills are like, okay, if you're going to kind of put me in this corner I'm going to make the best of it. And I think they were like, okay, everyone loves Kathy from the start. Like, we're just going to have to not be the, who wants to be the one that starts a fight with Kathy, basically. Mm-hmm. That's such an interesting point, because when I think about part two, which was softer to me than part one, and I was very, in my rewatch just now, I was like, ooh, this is like exactly the energy that I needed today. I've just found it like very, it felt like a smooth ride where I'm like, there's a lot happening, a lot to unpack. And it doesn't feel like it's at a one or a thousand. I'm like right at like 59. I'm very into it. Um, But there was a point during the reunion when it sort of occurred to me that of all of the parts, noting we've only seen two so far, this was really the part that felt like it was in response to the audience, where there were a lot of questions to Erica and maybe a part of a narrative to Rinna, where it was very much like a, here's what people genuinely want me to ask. Here's what people, here's what I know that people want to know. Um And that's a tool that Andy often uses to ask like shady questions of like, oh, Susan in Atlanta says, go fuck yourself. You know, like there are moments of that happening, but this part of the reunion felt like it felt a little bit more foundational that like this is the time specifically because we've heard certain reactions from the audience. And before we shift gears into Erica, I'm sort of curious, you know, because of that response, Abby, how how both of you feel about the Rinna of it all, because she's taken on a not like carnival barker, but like this very like, LOL, if you call me a piece of shit, I'm going to throw it right back kind of pass. And not to say that we saw that on this 
part, but I'm curious about her res- what you think of her behavior this season and her responses to critique. Ugh. So I will preface this by saying I pre, honestly, pre the Denise season, I loved Rena. I love what Rena brings at face value. I think she's, you don't have to love her, but I enjoy her over the topness and the ha ha ha, like the, the laughter and the dancing. And she's like a little, she's chaotic. Like I feel like Rena to me is a chaotic kind of energy, good or bad. I, where I struggled with her this season, and she even mentioned this on Watch What Happens Live, I just felt like she truly wasn't owning it, baby. I do think there's a lots of things with the Denise. I also feel like she didn't have much of a storyline outside from her children in the garage. And um, I, so if you want to be ride or die EJ, like fine. Like I can respect loyalty and being true to a friend. However, I think you also have to like, explain how yeah I realize how hypocritical that looks and like I don't see Rena as much as she's looking for people to hold themselves accountable and feel their feelings and I want to see more of that and be vulnerable I don't know that I get the same from her do you think she has capacity and she's just withholding it I mean I think any of these women do Mm -hmm. I, I I do I do think she has capacity as long as she stops, I hate to say acting. I don't know that I think that she's necessarily acting. I'm like, as long as you just stop controlling the narrative and just be, you know what I mean? Just be. I think she's like playing a caricature of herself this season. Mm-hmm. Like, it just feels like she's like overly Rena. And I do like the times where she is a little bit more like, feels like unfiltered and like guard let down. I mean, even like we look back, not that she has to like cry or anything, but you look back at that reunion when Kim gave her back the bunny, you know, like mm-hmm. that, like, I think that's like the most like just raw we've seen Rena. And I would like to see like more of that, even with like the whole Scott Disick thing, the way she talked about it. I felt like, uh, like on the show, not at the reunion, it was like, she was trying to like play it up and make it a storyline, but act like she didn't like it. But even though, Deep down inside, we all know she kind of did. Like, I wish she would have been a little bit more open about it. Because, like, you could tell she liked it. She kept bringing it up. And if you only met this guy three times, why would you bring it up every time people are around you? That's what I don't understand is that it seems like Kyle was more forcefully critical. Understandably so, because it's not literally her child dating this person. But... I just felt like instinctively I believed Kyle when she was like, this is not great. But when Rinna says it, I'm like, I don't really believe that you disliked it. And you have every right to feel however you want. It's your child. It's your relationship. But I don't, I I have to say, I don't believe you when you say like, ooh, this really freaked me out versus Harry, who I 100% do. It's weird. I, I don't know what it's like to be a Hollywood parent uh, let alone someone just in Hollywood but I have to remind myself that Amelia has a means she has an income she has Mm -hmm. I mean Scott has an income and Mm -hmm. she's gonna do what she wants and as much as I if I were Rena would not like that but if you want to have a relationship with your kid not saying their relationship was ever in a bad place Mm -hmm. I feel like I can understand why you would give into it and giving by giving into it, then you're going to take the press from it. 
But I think if she would have said that, even said that at the reunion, like people would have respected that. Like I have a friend who got a divorce and mm-hmm. when she like said like, okay, like told her parents, like this is the direction we're heading in. Her dad said, I knew from the beginning he wasn't the right person for you. And she was like, why would you not tell me that? And he said, I had nothing to gain. All I had to lose was either you or you would then call it off and it would be because of what I told you. Like you have, I have to, the hardest part of parenting, he said, was letting your kids make mistakes and watching it happen and knowing what's going to be the outcome. Had she said that, I think I would have respected Rena. She'd be like, look, did I want her to date Scott? No, but she's a grown adult. I can't tell her what to do. The more I tell her, you know, what to do, what not to do, she's going to do the opposite. I didn't want to risk losing a relationship with my kid because they're at a point where they can make their own decisions. I feel like every person like, oh, I get that. But she didn't. It was like the way she went about it. And then in the reunion, she was like throwing shade at him to be like funny and cute. But I was like, okay, but like she did date him. You know, like, I don't know. I mean, for like a year. Yeah. I was like, (laughs) I don't know. It was hard to. I just feel like she was trying to be overly Rena this season and this reunion. And I'm just kind of like, Ugh, I, I need her to take a step back and like be a little bit more herself. And figure out who the fuck that person is, because we've always seen Rena when she's in response to someone, you know, like we've always seen Rena when she is saying something about Kim or saying something about Yolanda or saying something about literally whomever else. And it's, it's difficult to try to navigate her own personal story because so much of her personal story is, as you said, a performance. And that's worked for us for a long time. Like the thing with Rinna is that I think she actually has brought, not even actually, I don't, I don't want to sound dismissive, but she has brought a lot of value to the show. I think she was terrific casting. It's just now I'm like, are we supposed to talk about her in a way that makes it feel like she's inside of this universe? because it doesn't feel comparable to Kyle. It doesn't feel comparable to a conversation about Kathy. It doesn't feel comparable to Crystal and Sutton and Garcelle. She, it feels like we're watching a clown. And like, I don't know how much of that is her feeding off of Erica on social or whatever else, but it's become a little bit absurd. That's actually a really solid assessment um, of that she's so much of her storyline has been other people I haven't thought of it um, in that way but I mean honestly I enjoy more of her online persona her social media persona I'm like yeah if you want to go on stories and go unhinged and post random shit like if you're gonna poster do it I don't know she's gotta figure she's just honestly just needs to peel the onion and just let herself be like just mm-hmm. truly be herself what if this season is her truly being herself like that's the other side of it it's like what if this is actually Rinna at her most Rinna then I think her time might be limited um just because I feel like I don't know if I could handle several more seasons of this where like I do and I will say I'm a Kyle stan as well and there are times Mm -hmm. where I think she's had bad seasons and good seasons Mm -hmm. but like I could do another 10, 11 seasons with Kyle. I could do another 10, 11 seasons with Garcelle, with mm-hmm. Crystal, honestly, with Dorit. Even though I know, like, people are, like, go wishy-washy on Dorit. You have to have somebody in there that's okay with kind of being the punching bag. And mm-hmm. she she kind of is. You know I mean? Like, everyone jokes, but she's long-winded. And they kind of, like, make fun of her glam and, like, her Instagram posts. Like, who am I? Like, you have to have that person. And if you get rid of it, 
then that like it loses the dynamic. I mean, I don't think Dorit's a perfect person, but I don't want her. Like, I think she's a good, good compliment to the rest of the cast. But I think we could do right now. I think we could do without Erica, possibly without Rena. I don't want that to happen quite yet, but I think we're heading in that direction. Oh, I want as much as I'm anti, this is like where housewives get so interesting and the entertainment Mm -hmm. value of it all. But, like, listen, like, EJ and everything, all the allegations, it's, like, horrible. It's honestly yeah. horrible. Do I want to continue watching it? Yes. Like, absolutely yes. And truthfully, if she wasn't having this divorce and this saga, I don't know. I, I, I'm curious to see where she goes. And I do kind of want to see it as a viewer. I love a good redemption story, if there's one. I love, I mean, who doesn't? Everyone wants to see, like, I would love to see the pretty mess back. And, like, you know, I can see that being a tagline. Like, my life may be messy, but now it's pretty. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, something stupid <laughs> like that. But I, I, would, I would welcome it. I think, too, Abby and I talk about this all the time with the housewives. Like, we have to have people you don't like on the cast. They serve a purpose. And you can't love every single person. And even if the audience and, like, the perception of that person, like, their approval rating, if you will, is, like, horrible, they serve a purpose. They got to be there. You got to have unlikable people. I feel like I 100% agree, and it's the oft-repeated refrain of respect your villains on Housewives and potentially elsewhere. Um, The Erica of it all is such an additional and new layer of tension because of the ways that she has almost celebrated and made fun of the idea that she is unlikable or involved in something duplicitous and God forbid, you know, the kind of illegal activity that we're seeing or regardless of her involvement, whether or not she's benefited from it and, and all of that, like she's really tried to subvert it. And I would say in a way that's been pretty universally unsuccessful aside from a very specific standum that I think is probably more connected to being contrarian than necessarily team Erica and people have every right to say and feel whatever they want. Um, you know, the, the sort of asterisk I would say to that is as long as they're ideally not hurting anyone. And that's the critique about Erica is there's a way for Rinna to say things that feel performative or clownish or whatever they are on social. But at the end of the day, like, who is she really hurting? Like, maybe her reputation, but I don't know that I would argue that I don't I don't know who's really getting harmed by Rinna being like, oh, I'm the superstar. Go pack yourself. You know, like, it's just like, oh, it's Rinna at the end of the day versus the Erica stuff where when she's kind of making fun of the groundswell, this like moving hurricane that surrounds her there are people who are watching this who may be victims of her husband's crimes and it's a different flavor which compounds I think the layers of nuance in even hearing her perspective because I gotta tell you rewatching part two I was fascinated about her conversation around her marriage with Tom. I think it's very easy for people to write it off and just say, he was the older man. She was the younger woman. There was a power imbalance. And, you know, this is what happens. I just think that as someone who's never been married, 
it's a fascinating journey to watch, to watch what happens when it doesn't work out on such a massive fucking scale. I'm really curious if she ever will be able to talk, like, Mm. what she can tell us. Like, I feel like there's a, like, I feel like she knew about what was happening before she divorced him. I don't buy Mm -hmm. that she, for, there's just so many things I don't buy about what she's said. Um, We could dive into that, like, as a two-hour, like, special. Mm -hmm. But, like, I really, I want one that, like, in the future, when all this is settled, I'd like for her to say, like, it was this moment I found out that he was doing this, like, with the money, or I became aware. I mean, it also, isn't it a red flag to you? She said that she gave him every paycheck and she had no access to the money. But then, like, that's a huge red flag. You, that didn't make you think, like, something's up. Yet then you were also bragging about spending $40,000 a month on Glam Squad. Like, who's paying? Like, how is this? You had a credit card. It wasn't, like, coming, like, you had a bank account. Somehow this was all drawn to. You said you signed documents for homes, but you didn't know where they were. But your name's on the document. Like, can't you, go, like, she's not a dumb person. She could go find some of this information out. So I just, I want to, I wish we could hear the true story, not the version she's telling us to gain sympathy and to make herself look better. I honestly feel like her story, what's happening to her right now, is someone who got wrapped in the fame of it all mm-hmm. and the persona. Like, I think what we've been seeing has been her alter ego um erica jane versus erica girardi like i think she has been not her true self and has been playing up the expensive to be me and like just the people love it give them more of it like i'll show them the glam i'll show them like i feel like she's played up some of that so much that she's lost sight of who she is so for us as viewers it's such a disconnect to sympathize for someone in how They've acted when, I don't know, it's, it's, it's very, it is fascinating. It's really um, interesting. And, you know, how much of um, her pursuit of fame and his pursuit of fame, let's keep it real, it wasn't just Erica, how much of that fed into the continuation of fraud because it sounds like from what we're hearing, from what an ex-wife of his said previously, from all of the investigative journalism that's um, been published and all of the court documents to come, that, you know, Tom was criming long before Housewives came calling and Erica was chasing the spotlight long before the light of BH shined upon them. So... There is the influence of the show when it comes to the character she was trying to play, but it looks pretty relatively clearly like that was a part she had been playing and that they had been playing separately and together long before reality TV cameras arrived. Um, And so the rewriting of history that we're watching happen is, is fascinating because you know, there was a very specific timeline that she was presenting in communication with these women, which has been proven um, to be not as definitive as what she had said. And I wonder when it comes to the pursuit of fame, how that matches up and meets up with whatever was happening prior to her joining BH. Yeah, I wish there was like a way we could have seen like 
someone needs to somehow like find footage or talk to people. Like I would love, because I, I did like the Hulu special, The Hustler and the Housewife. Mm-hmm. I would love a Erica and Tom Girardi before Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Like we knew a little bit about him, but what about her? Like what was she doing? What was her? Because like the Erica Jane thing, I knew she had a couple of music videos because the women like, you know, showed it. And that was like mm-hmm. a conversation piece. But I had never heard of her. Like I would love to talk to people who like were her fans before that to figure out like what was she doing? Was she doing like local county fairs uh t- talking about how many fucks she gave to like people in arkansas like what was like wh- what was she doing i would love I, to know that i honestly feel like that was like a side project i think one i think she needed something she didn't want to just be like this housewife lawyer wife to show up some mm-hmm. places and tom fed into it and just kind of let her run with it and i don't really feel like the pretty mess EJ really took off until Housewives. I mean, I think she had a video and stuff, but I doubt she, had she was like going two. on tour. Yeah. yeah, I doubt she was going on tour. Um, and if she was, maybe in like some club in Europe. I don't know. But I just, it's really interesting. And, and going back to Sarah, what you were saying in terms of how her behavior and stuff, I was thinking the entire time, like if that were a guy, not saying we're mm. being misogynistic by any means, mm-hmm. but um, I do think women do when women are um in her instance like pushing back and like just being really defensive and kind of aggressive i do think sometimes we're quick to be like oh girl like should you be doing that but had a guy like let's say joe gorga did the exact same thing and was saying like no andy like what are you saying like we would think too much about about it so There's like some layers of that too. There's a lot. There's a lot of layers to this. Well, I think that's such a great point. And I also think it's, that's why it's so important to hear the perspectives of women when we're having the conversation about housewives, because so often there's the celebration or the lens of the male perspective. I mean, Andy is a man talking to these women, having been the reunion moderator for 150 years. And so may his, you know, reign continue. He is the the baby daddy of Bravo at the end of the day, but, um, and of the Real Housewives specifically. But I think it's important to hear women talk about this because I think you're 100% right. And I think that there is a, a level, not, it's not like a joy, but there's a, uh, a a way that women criticize each other and to borrow from one of my favorite words ever weaponize the ability for women to even express anger which is not necessarily Erica uh Erica specific although it it, it can be for a, a thousand different reasons and other matters even unrelated to what's currently going on with Tom but the idea of like, how dare you express yourself in a way that, you know, if we were watching this happen, a, a man be angry or be able to express his rage in a certain ways, sometimes he would be celebrated or people would just say, well, that's just the norm. But there's a spectrum of emotions and complications and difficulties, you know, to be an unlikable woman is almost one of the worst things you could be, you know? It's, it's unfortunate, but it's, it is a reality that needs to be said. No, I agree. I also think too, like when you think about it, like everyone was so quick, myself included to say like, she had to have known Mm -hmm. no one's saying anything about coach Shaw. 
Like, there you go. Like, people aren't like, oh, he had to have known. Like, I do think he had to have known. But people, it's not like a big drawn out thing. Now I get it. Like, he's not the housewife. But still, like, I do think there's a sense of like, he's complicit. Like, you, yeah, people he's are. He's also like, a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he still has his law license, but like, hello. I think he's I mean, like he'll a make sure he's, lawyer. Yeah, he'll make sure he's good. But like, I do mm-hmm. think like, even at the fans, though, they're kind of like, oh, well, Coach Shaw, like, you know, they're saying he's innocent. And, I do think, though, he's not speaking, which is so smart. Erica, mm-hmm. like, continuing to post the stuff and, like, these stories that don't add up and don't make sense, she's, like, really hurt herself this season. And do I think it's going to have criminal implication? Probably not. I don't think they can say because you're making up a car flipping in Pasadena, that means you knew about the victims. <laughs> but she's not mm-hmm. gaining any sympathy or she's not getting anyone to switch over to her side where I think sometimes with like Teresa Judice, people were a little bit more sympathetic because it did seem like maybe she truly didn't know. Um, and if she did, she did a really good job of fooling all of us. And Erica's not doing that. Yeah. And Teresa also didn't have victims whose stories yes. involved plane crashes and burn victims watching a girlfriend die yeah watching your girlfriend die minutes after telling you her you loved her like there are so many aspects to this where erica's lack of empathy for those voices are so clear versus teresa's and i don't know the ins and outs of frauds i i'd love to know i'd love to learn but like with tree it's like they defrauded a bank obviously that money came from somewhere so people were certainly affected but it's a very different experience to put your faith in your um, attorney who's supposed to advocate for you and to never receive that money. Like Erica keeps dancing around the idea of like, we haven't received all of the information and we have to hear the other side. And it's like, well, babe, I think the other side is the fact that the money is gone, you know, like, yeah, (laughs) what? And the other side is dead. They they died in a plane crash. The other side is dead. So, I mean, we can talk to their widows and their Mm -hmm. children that are now orphans. Like, I think that's the thing about it too. It's like, there's orphans and widows in this. And then when she says alleged victims, no, they are victims of a plane crash. They're not alleged victims. You could say they're alleged victims of Tom, but I would say it's actually been proven that that's true as well, because there's no money. Like, I love what PK said. I'm actually can't believe like I've like been on this ride and in a journey with PK. The fact that I think he makes Dorit relevant, I can't believe I'm saying this, but he does. <laughs> He's the reason why I like part of the reason I want Dorit to say, but I agree with him. It's not alleged what Tom did. It's alleged right now what is his mental capacity. I think that's really the only question. It's I mean, it's truly fascinating. I we keep saying Abby and I were talking about this earlier today. We're like, Oh my God, had she, I was like, had she approached this season of like, God, fuck Tom. I didn't know this. And like, what the fuck did he do to all these people? And like had that kind of like, you know, little bit of that energy. I feel like she'd have so much more sympathy, but I found it so interesting in the reunion, even, you know, one minute she's like, um, I found, I gave him a choice to go with this woman or me. And he said nothing. Like you felt that, but then on one hand, she's like saying there's another side. She's so protective of him. And it's, it's, it's very just interesting. I feel like, I don't know. It's that part is interesting to me. And granted, Abby and I are both married. We're in healthy relationships. (laughs) There's, There's no paychecks of mine being taken. None of that shit. But it's just, 
I don't know. I just, I just know if I was wronged in any sort of way, I usually ready to like throw down. Well, I mean, I feel like the end of that sentence would be, and who wronged you? I don't think that Erica believes that she was wronged by Tom. I think she was, she believes that she was wronged by circumstance. And the fact that she's like, she's some, you, I'm going to fuck this up. So apologies on advance. But like there was at, at one point in a conversation with Andy, she said like, I, she used the phrase, I hope or something instead of I believe when it comes to sort of the unpacking and bringing to light whether or not these crimes took place, that it makes you question the reality of how she is processing what's going on because it does not feel to me that she agrees that what seemingly many courts are saying happened, happened. She's still participating in the narrative that has kept her afloat for 20 years of he's getting honored every night and people look at him with a lot of respect. And I think she's still in that space where this is explainable, where at the end of the day, there's going to be an explanation. And her reasoning for it for a while this season has been because of his cognitive capacity or lack thereof, which to me is a very sad circumstance, completely unrelated to the crime and the crimes uh, in question, aside from the fact that maybe he got worse. Maybe he got worse at fighting against this and protecting himself from being caught because of cognitive decline. Like it still doesn't, the timing, he started this well before there was any conversation that she has raised about any kind of neurocognitive issue taking place. And it's, she is still existing in a a different world and seeing it in a different lens influenced by her marriage and for 20 years her reckoning with the idea that she doesn't know who she married she doesn't actually even know if she ever knew that person and everything else but she's gonna fucking rip crystal's heads off head off for asking why are you not angry and it's a question that i think will remain I'm really looking forward to part three. Um, well, I'm mm. assuming part three is where we're going to see, you know, Andy mm. turn up the heat. Um, mm. Because when we talked about this earlier, Vanessa and I did, like, I feel like the questions that have been asked so far are kind of the questions we expected Andy to yes. ask. I think in the next part or part four, who knows, it's going to be the ones that we were hoping for. Um, and I'm just really curious to see how she responds, but also the other women's reactions. Kyle's facial expressions, I think have given everything away never play poker or maybe do play poker with Kyle because she will (laughs) give it all away like (laughs) you could tell even like when Erica was talking about like you know well I gave every paycheck to him Kyle was like what like you know like it was just like you've never mentioned that like there's just a lot of things that I don't know it just it's not adding up and I get like look if you are in a marriage where you feel like you are powerless you're probably not going to tell everyone because you're scared I understand that but like she hasn't said that like she's just like there's just I think there's certain things that she hasn't said that lead me to believe she was in a situation where she was lying to protect herself and her safety I think she just wanted to protect maybe their image I don't know I just her words I, I think her choice of words have been really telling and I think it's showing that that she's not very sympathetic for the people that are ultimately the victims of this And some of that might come from her anger that she feels like people aren't being sympathetic enough to her. Like, it's possible that Erica was 
victimized and a victim at some point when you think about the nature of her relationship and what her husband put her through, what they went through together and what has happened since. But that doesn't take away from the fact that the people at the center of this, as Garcelle said, you will be fine. Like at the end of the day, Erica's going to be fine. She's still going to have a $600,000 plus paycheck. That's, you know, that could almost cover her glam (laughs) pre-tax. Like there's the idea that like she is going to be okay from this. Is her lifestyle going to drastically change? Yeah, it probably will. And frankly, she should probably have a lifestyle closer to one she can afford. And it sounds like she really couldn't afford the one that she had before. And when she talks about the fact that like I couldn't leave because I didn't have access to the accounts, maybe she left when she realized that the accounts didn't have a lot left. Like maybe she left when she realized that regardless of who had access to the accounts, there weren't really accounts that were going to last much longer, which... That isn't even a critique of her. I'm not even saying that in a critical way. I'm just saying the reality is if that was the thing holding you back and you find out they no longer exist, yeah, maybe go. I mean, and again, like I feel like had she kind of played out a little bit in her story and while this was unraveling in real time of the power dynamics, because I do know, um, I will never forget, I went on a bachelor party, quick anecdote Mm. that kind of makes me think of this, but there was a stay-at-home mother there and in her relationship, and I don't know, this is just speaking on this experience, mm-hmm. her relationship, she was given like an allowance for the weekend. And she was like sneaking in booze at the bar because she didn't want to like use more money or ask for more money. And like at the time I was like, what the fuck? Like that is like mind boggling to me and so crazy. So like there's a little bit of me who like empathizes for Erica on like a tiny bit, but then she'll lose me when she says something else, like in terms of the power balance and like think before housewives, she was truly just like a lawyer's wife. Yes, she's a mother as well, but she probably just attended luncheons and charity events. I don't know what rich white women do, but <laughs> that sounds about right. Um, before she kind of delved into this like singing career. Mm-hmm. So a part of me like, you know, we've seen how many seasons? Is this her sixth or seventh season? Six? Yeah, it's been a long time. Something so, like, like yeah. you know, I, there was so much that we haven't seen. Like, your point, you mentioned this earlier, Sarah. There's so much we haven't seen in Abby, too. Like, before the housewives, like, of their relationship. Um, so, I don't know. I, I can kind of get the money thing a tiny bit. However, if someone handed me a $600,000 check, I would want to make sure that went into my account (laughs) and like talk to my um, financial advisor or an accountant or whoever. Um, I don't, I wouldn't give it to a law firm. And it's not, I mean, the, the odd thing is to me, maybe I'm not understanding it correctly, but she talks everyone expresses shock over the fact that she wasn't handling her own money, that she immediately turned it over. And I'm just thinking like, but you were spending so much money that that almost doesn't, that's not surprising to me. I, I, there's an expectation that like she would keep her own money to herself or at least be able to access it. And I'm thinking like, you're spending hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars a year just on your team. So where is, where would that money be coming from? If not your paycheck, like your expectation that you would have seven seasons worth of cash available, it doesn't entirely 
connect to me unless she really, unless, you know, of course, if he's bringing in bajillions of dollars and winning billion dollar, um, uh, lawsuits and whatever else. Yeah. I get that. You think that it's a never ending, um, bag of cash. But then I also think you're spending money at such a high rate that why would you think that your money would not be touched? It's, I mean, I don't know. I guess that's marriage. I I mean, it's smoke and mirrors. She thought he was making more than they were bringing in. Like he had access to their accounts. It's like curious. I'm like, do you do not? I have separate checking accounts with me and my husband Mm. and we have a shared savings and every relationship is different. And I know a lot of people who do, you know, shared everything. But you would think if they had like a shared account where he is taking her check, let's say her choice of words were poorly, you know, she's like, I'm putting it into our account. Mm-hmm. We have one account. You would think she would at least have access to it and be able to see like um, all the deposits and all the, um, I can't find my words. She had like, she has, to have, you would think yeah. she would know that. She had some know? like knowledge of what was in the accounts. And like her name, I just like, I don't know, just logistics of it. Her name has to be on them. She has an ID. Like she's a smart woman. She could have gone like gone to a bank and figured some stuff out. Like it wasn't like everything was in Tom's name. Like that paycheck came to her. So for it to go to a bank account, she would have had to sign off on something or allowed this transfer to happen. I don't know. Like, and maybe that was part of the power struggle. She felt like she couldn't say no. I don't Just like a lot of it just doesn't add up to me. Um, and, you know, when she said she talked to a lawyer, right? Didn't you say she talked to a lawyer that wasn't? Yeah, but she couldn't explain mm-hmm. how she got out of, like, how right. she's, which I get that. I'm guessing somebody gave her cash and that person wants to remain anonymous. I do love that they, they flashed right to Sutton in that moment. I was like, oh, was Sutton the person? <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> I wonder if, you know, that conversation that will come up about Sutton saying, you know, the whole loan of it all, which was not a part of an actual classic episode. It was released after the fact, which is mind boggling to me. But um, yeah, when it comes to Erica and the money of it all, he is going to be putting, Andy is going to be putting, I think, much more pressure on her in the next episode. And especially in the conversation around like the $20 million loan or $25 million loan, whatever it is. I mean, there are some really tough questions that seem to be that need to be specifically directed to her and whether that comes with a film's reunion and or you know conference call with some trustees i don't know how she's going to be able to get out of this because you can absolve yourself of responsibility but only so far So they're filming now. I'm really, I'm just like really curious how it's all going to play out in the next season. Obviously, Erica's coming back. I think it's safe to say the entire cast is coming back. 100%. I don't know if we'll have any shift. I don't, I don't even know if we'll have an addition. I can't, I I feel like they, I don't, because then it gets to be too many. Like when you have too many housewives, it's too hard to keep up. And then people have like small drama that eats up an episode that makes it boring. Like I think they have a good balance, a good number. Um, yeah, so I think it'll be the exact same people. So I'm just really curious to see. Like who stands by Erica? Like, I feel like it's going to be just Rena. Yeah, just Rena. Yeah. And at what point does Erica take that for granted? At what point is there just the, well, Rena will definitely agree with whatever I say until the end. She 
She already she is. Already does. Yeah. She already is. What happens if Rena decides to change her mind? I mean, she's a smart person. She's obviously made an investment in making a very specific choice, but she could change her mind if the if the ship is sinking and I don't know that it is, but if the ship is sinking, why would Rena allow herself to go down with it unless she was the one fucking steering? You know what I'm saying? Like I don't know in what way this will change if at all, but if we're going to talk about how part two was in some ways through the audience's perspective, now these women will know exactly how we feel, not only about the season, but about their reactions during the reunion. And I think, I mean, I'm really curious as to if Kyle is going to adjust and change in any way, if there's any way to ever actually, you know, cut through to the Fox force remaining four this is going to be the time in which it's going to happen. I don't know that it will. I just don't know. I think eventually, because Rena doesn't like, she likes being the outcast for just a little bit, but she likes being with the majority. She's like, I mean, I think part of the reason why she was the strongest to turn on Denise is she knew the other women would follow. Like, I think if she Mm -hmm. thought like no one else would follow with her, she wouldn't have done that. So I think after a while, like if it slowly just becomes truly Rena. And Erica, and that's it. And because Dorit and Kyle are no longer friends with Erica, if that impacts where Rena stands, that's when Rena then is going to make the choice. But I think we're a couple seasons away from that happening. I feel like we're having like Sex in the City right now, um, <laughs> playing out in next season. Like Samantha is Erica, <laughs> just killed her off. Not, but but I just think you're we're gonna see like women's friendships kind of dissolve, which has always been a focal point in Housewives. But this takes like a different turn. I think it'd be interesting to see to see that like a fallout. Um, based on not feeling like you're getting enough support and based on people not feeling like they know that person. Yeah, and watching what how the women utilize the show, production, their roles on it, media attention to their advantage as necessary. I mean, I do want to shift gears ever so slightly because um, this week's episode of Salt Lake City was so interesting to me just in the sense of that scene with Whitney and Lisa where Whitney literally says out loud, this is staged, which is such an interesting way to try to get an advantage in whatever shenanigan is taking place regardless of whether or not you believe it I mean she literally said to a person she was filming with as a part of their quote-unquote friend circle aka her cast member you are doing something for camera time and I am literally going to say out out loud in front of cameras that this is not real which is season two I know this is a new journey with Salt Lake City but holy fucking shit I loved it though I was it was yeah it was really weird I will say this season of Salt Lake and Abby and I were discussing this on our show earlier today it just feels like there's a lot of like stage or thirsty people on the cast Mm -hmm. you know like Jen Shaw was a Jen fraud. We turns out we all <laughs> learned about that, which Abby, I will give her credit because she smelled it from the beginning. Um, did you? Yeah, she did. Episode she, two. I she called knew. it. She Shut knew. up. What did you say episode two? When she, the trigger for me was when she complained about her birthday party for Meredith cost her $80,000 and Meredith didn't even say thank you. Now I think it's rude not to say thank you, but 
It was the fact that she acted like $80,000 was like a lot of money, which to all of us it is. But on Housewives, like Taylor Armstrong's birthday party for her daughter was like 125000 So I'm like, if was 80... Was it? I thought it was like fifty. No, I think it was like six figures. I I'd have to go back regardless, and look, but Regardless. Yeah. Yeah, regardless. Sorry, sorry, think, sorry. But I think like, you know, there's like people, like I just think that like, also, the housewives don't talk about it. We only see it because they give us that little, like, you know, that little bar comes through and it tells yep. us the amount. But when she said the amount, I was like, mm, that's not what, like, a rich person wouldn't drop the amount. It's somebody who can't afford that that wants to brag about it and wants people to know it was 80000 And so that's when I started digging in. And then I looked to see what Coach Shaw makes. And I mm. think he makes, like, $250,000 a year. And then he probably gets bonuses and other things that the team performs. Which is, listen, I'm not saying 250000 isn't, that's a great living, not housewives. So I was just like, in the way she spins and what she was doing, it just wasn't adding up. So that, to me, episode two, I was like, mm, I'm not buying this. So, and now we're hearing similar things about Jenny. Because did you watch that yeah. TikTok? Yeah. Can you please, so many people sent me that TikTok. I swear to God, I watched it and I was so confused. I did not understand what the thesis point was. Like, that's not a critique. I truly like, and then I got tired and I couldn't watch it again. (laughs) I mean, I think the gist of it is, is like, she's not who she's saying she is. Like, she uh, didn't come from such humble beginnings. Mm -hmm. And that the whole like sister wife thing I don't know. Did she comment on the sister wife thing? I she like said it's I'm... made up. The whole yeah, thing about wanting up. this extra kid is like their storyline. Yeah, I mean, um, it's made up and stuff. So, so that plays into a Jen. We have Jenny Fraud, mm-hmm. maybe, and Jen Fraud. So it's just, and then the stage moment. I just feel like the Salt Lake women, and I love Heather Gay, and I do love them all, not Jen Shaw, but I enjoy it all. I'm just like ladies, like. Let's not like self-produce. Like we can see it. We can see it. Is it is it possible not to at this point? Is it possible not to self-produce in twenty in the year of our Lord and Savior Andrew Cohen, twenty twenty one? I think it 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 yeah. I also think with new franchises, yeah, they, they're going to have watched it. it. All these women who like I love when people say I never watched the show because we all call bullshit. I, that's why I appreciate someone like Heather who's like, no, I watched the show. Whitney was like, I was a fan of the show. Like, I think a lot of the Salt Lake, Salt Lake women are like, no, we're going to admit that we've watched it. Because if someone's like, hey, can we film your every move? We're going to have an entire camera crew set up in your home. We're going to watch you do everything with your family. Who wouldn't like research it and be like, whoa, what's this about? Like you would look, you'd watch some of the episodes. I think now with any newer, like if they do any other newer franchises. We're going to see some of this production for sure take place because we're seeing it in some of our like established franchises as well. I just think everybody, I think a lot of these people minus Kathy Hilton are coming on the show because they want a paycheck and they want a side business and they want to be relevant and they want to be famous. And so you are going to produce and do your best to come back season after season to keep getting that higher paycheck and keep getting the followers and make the money. And so... I mean, I guess it's, I mean, you're right. Like there really isn't going to be a non-produced housewife show in these times, which is kind of sad. Like you look back in the beginning. Yeah. I was just watching season one Atlanta recently because mm. it was on Bravo. And the joy I had from watching that low budget season, mm. like it just, all the interactions, just like everything just felt so more real. But you're so right, Sarah. God, now I'm going to be in my feels about housewives being overly produced but i think that's why they're doing thankfully more of the girls trips 
mm-hmm. like these interactions where you're going to get a t- you're going to get 10 people who have that same energy like that piranha like energy in a room and it's much harder to stab each other in the back because they all know the playbook I mean, and the reality with SLC is it's like, listen, we don't want the women to self-produce, but even the fucking friends of are self-producing. <laughs> this whole thing with Angie, and we've all seen the 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 tea um, and receipts and all that shit on Instagram is it looks pretty apparent that I, I don't think Lisa was lying. It looks like Angie was looking for catering and there are texts that have been released of the caterers responding back and saying, we're really interested. And, oh, wait, we just talked to one of the producers and they're not going to be able to showcase our business. And we don't want it to run into a situation like last time. We really want to film at our restaurant. And so we'll find someone else. And Angie was looking for camera time, was looking for a plot. And she handed that baton to Whitney, who probably believes it and is running with it, but maybe doing the wrong relay. I mean... The friends, regardless of what Angie thought she was going to be, if she was going to be full-time or friend of when they were filming, like, fuck, man. Like, the people who aren't even full-time are producing to this I mean, extent. it was pretty fun. It's pretty comical when you look at it. Because I feel like it's like if me, like, pluck me in and I'm, like, trying to, like, oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lisa. I, let's talk about that event. Like, it's very, like, obvious. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, would the owner seamless. of a restaurant really walk up? Like, first of all, they're busy. Like, I get that they were, like, Lisa's a, one of their top, you know, clients and mm-hmm. they want to treat her well. But, like, if you're really the owner of a business, like, of a restaurant, like, I, if you've ever worked in a restaurant, like, you don't just, like, sit and talk to the patrons. Like, you, you say hi, thank you. But, like, coming by, bringing the dishes and then be like, I can't believe what Angie's doing. It's like, you don't have time to shoot the shit. That was, I mean, that was an example of Lisa staging something because to support the fact that she was like, I wasn't lying. So let me now make sure that the people involved are showing up to support my narrative. And then I'm just going to stare at you. Like, if you look at Lisa's face, she's staring directly at Whitney the entire time. That's why I love Lisa, though. Lisa, like. I love Lisa. I love She is one of those housewives that, like, I get, like, she won't be, like, she's not, like, my favorite. Like, if I judge her just as a person. But God, like the way she is with fast food and pout and sodas, like, I don't know. I just, I love her. And I love the fact that she totally did stage this and that she like is trying to save herself on camera. Like, Good for her. She figured it out. Runs every conversation like a business meeting. And that's like my favorite quality about her. It's just like very, like, I feel like you hear like those businessy terms and I just, she just makes me laugh. She, she commits to the part, which, you know. As long as she's not doing anything illegal, there's that. And then Abby and I have like a newfound love for Mary. We love oh my God. all the all of it's of just her. like I don't know. It's a lot. We hope there's not criminal activity going on. Maybe I think there is, and it's gonna kill me because. But it's just God, I love so, her and her long green rice. It's just weird. And also, like you know, the thing with Mary, I get into this on the, the live show and guys episode coming up soon. <laughs> but, um, I got into this during the live show cause somebody was asking about Mary or we were talking, and I were talking about Mary at some point. And it is one of those oddities of like, how do you explain Mary? And it's like, well, there is a certain level of darkness here, but there is also the freedom that comes from having seeming huge amounts of financial freedom and also being in an environment where people maybe think you're God. So you can literally say whatever you want. Plus 
I'm sure a certain amount of trauma that was formed around this whole marriage and relationship with and everything else where she truly does not have a filter for better or worse, which also means there's no way to anticipate what she's going to say yes, which is kind of intoxicating. Or she's going to fart. Like I was just anything. saying, I mean, she like literally poot. needed silence she's poot. to poot. I like, I've never seen a housewife intentionally fart on camera. Like, it's just like she's in an, another level. Like, my favorite trait in a housewife is delusion. And mm. she's like on a whole nother level, like kind of alien esque to me, just like in her own little category of it. But I, I enjoy it and find her kind of endearing until I think deep. Until I get deep in my thoughts about maybe the criminal activity of it all, but she's all right. I, I she's good TV. <laughs> uh, speaking of good TV, I do want to just transition for just a moment and talk a little bit about Potomac, uh, just because I thought this most recent episode was astounding, and I'm curious about your thoughts on the dynamic between uh, Candace and kind of everyone else, but really Candace and Mia and what you thought about the, the, you know, quasi heart to heart that they had this week and your thoughts, you know, through the lens of talking Bravo, through the lens of motherhood, just any kind of reactions to the ways that the motherhood journey is expressed or shown on Potomac. I think Potomac actually does the best job of showing motherhood. Like I think I love that Ashley's always pumping. I mean, just because, like, if you've been a mom that's done that, like, I used to joke that I was going to write a book called Oh, The Places You Will Pump, and that was going to be, like, the (laughs) book I would do for moms because I, like, when I had my first, uh, you would, like, find, like, weird corners of bathrooms to, like, pump at an airport. Like, you know, it's just, like, it was a challenge. And so I love that she's just out there pumping all the time. Um, When it comes to Mia and Candace, though, I do find it humorous that – Like Candace, I know she cries at everything, but that Candace is acting as if Mia's dig on her music video, which truly kind of was low budget. Let's be honest. We're in, you know, a parking lot and the cars didn't show up like it wasn't the most run well run event, but she's acting as if that insult is on par with throwing a dig at somebody whose mother is a recovering addict. This person was forced into foster care because of some of the choices her mom made like Mm-hmm. I get that maybe Candace didn't know that, but the fact that when she did find out, she's like, well, now I feel bad about it. If it were me, if I would have found out about that, I would have immediately gone to Mia and been like, I had no idea. And I am so sorry because yes, you hurt me, but hurting a music video of mine is on nowhere near the same level as me, like bringing up your childhood trauma. The fact that like your mom was in jail is now clean. Like it, there's just so many layers to it. The fact that Candace acted like these were like, tit for tat really bugged me it's not the same I kind of feel like Candace whether she'd want to hear this or not is kind of turning into her mom like a little bit like her I forgot her mom's name but it's like turning it into a little bit of her mom it's like her mom has thrown so many digs at her um and I don't have any examples of course off the top of my head but it's like similar type of energy like where these digs were I think Candace is usually like so caught off guard so I just, Candace, I'm like, where she always loses me, truly at the beginning of the season, I'm like, oh, I'm kind of liking Candace. Like her confessional, she's on point. Like but she always takes it a step too far. It's like she starts and then she really commits. And it's like, no, it's like watching a car crash every single time. 
Um, but in terms of the motherhood angle of it all, I just would like, and I think if Candace chooses to have children, I would not be surprised if one, she has a conversation with Ashley where she apologizes. Mm-hmm. And two, she just has a lot of guilt <laughs> how she kind of reacted because it is one of those things at like a lot of things in life where until you're in it, you really have no idea and you have a newfound respect for people. And then you also feel like an asshole for how you might have treated other people. I feel like every person, like once you become a mom, you um, text your friends that were moms before you to be like, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. And like, now I'm in the spot where like, I'll sometimes get those texts from people like, I can't believe I always invited you to happy hour and then gave you shit for not going because I was like, who wouldn't want to go get drinks when they have a kid at home, but they don't realize like how hard it is. Like there's just, I think, and it's not anything intentional, but I do think it'll be a very humbling moment for Candace um, if she chooses to have kids when that happens. I think she'll, I could actually see her and Ashley really becoming good friends and connecting, um, which would be kind of wild. It would be wild. I can see her just, I think I would say motherhood has a way for people who are a little bit rough around the edges, has a great way of softening them. Mm. Nothing puts you to place like a child. They don't give a fuck who you are. They, I mean, this baby, if they have one, if they decide to have children, doesn't care that she's Candace Bassett, doesn't care that she has drive, drive back as a song or any of this shit. They don't care. They don't know. They don't care. So there's nothing more humbling than a child. Um, so I don't know. I, I, always, I always think there's an opportunity for people to change. Root for goodness. I mean, what better note to end on? I think this was, that's a great, that's an up, an upper way to look at it. Optimistic. And I am going to take it. And I say, let's run with it. Um, happy Friday. Listen, I could talk to both of you forever. I just think guys, I cannot more highly encourage listening to Real Moms of Bravo on their pod and on social. And you're just going to get so much more of this nuance in such a balanced intelligent, introspective way. And I can't thank both of you enough for coming back. I truly, I just honestly love to have you on AG. I really do. And it's Bravo Holic Appreciation Week because they told us it was. But every time that you guys come on, I just really, this was delightful. I just really appreciate it. I appreciate both of your perspectives so much. It really was. Mm-hmm. My God, you're gonna like make us cry. Thank you, Sarah. I mean, don't cry. No, no, like good tears, like happy tears. Um, no, thank you. I think this is like these are the conversations that are fun. Like to be able to really like it's mm. on the surface. Reality TV seems like a trashy escape, but I think those of us that are really into it, it's like you can have long conversations about one scene and like what does it mean and what did they mean by this and did you notice this person in the background? So it's like so fun when we get to have these like long conversations and that we get to shows. connect. This is yeah. the f- best part of doing all of this is connect with people like yeah. you, Sarah. So thank you so much for having us. We are clearly very humbled. I'm like close to crying, but not quite, but like, no, but like, you know, not in a Candace way. Don't worry. I'm not going to get my Kleenex, but thank you so much for having us. My pleasure. And I have to say that we were both on an Instagram live last night with Bravo, invited by Bravo to do some um, games with surprise Bravo Leb. So we had Amanda and Kyle on there and Heather Gay was on and Ashley Ashley. Darby. 
Ashley yeah. Darby, thank you so much. <laughs> like, who else is on it? I'm losing my mind. But there was something that was talked about on the live, which is the idea that this is not, there's no guilt that needs to be had or felt or reflected unnecessarily. So when it comes to talking about Bravo and being loud and proud Bravo content creators and Bravo stands, because there is so much value that can happen in these kinds of conversations. So I'm so appreciative for both of you coming back. I do have to say, um, guys, and Andy's Girls Live happened this past weekend. <laughs> like, when was it? October 17th. <laughs> and I just want to thank everybody for coming. It was sold out plus and um, an incredible, incredible night. Um, shout out to literally everyone, all of the AGs for coming. Certainly OG of the AG, Damian Bellino, who joined me on stage at Club Coming. Prisca Edwards, our wonderful photographer, um, friend of the pod and actual magician, uh, Ryan Houlihan, and um, so many others for all of their help in making that event happen. Um, as happens with live events, there was some joyous tips technology that took place, which is why the episode hasn't uh, been released yet, but it will come out on Tuesday. And I'm so excited for you guys to um, listen to it and hear it. And we had a couple housewives who participated, which was such a thrill. And I just wanted to say thanks to you guys. I know I was hyping it quite a bit on the pod and social, and it was because it was a really, honestly, a big deal for me personally um, to do this and be on stage again for the first time in 700 years. And um, I'm just so thankful to everyone who sent me DMs and reached out whether or not you were in the audience. I just, I can't say enough. So if it's Bravo Holic Appreciation Week, which drinking game alert, if you've been saying <laughs> anything while we said it, oh my God. Um, I just want to say thank you to everyone for um, sending such, uh, such lovely messages. And I hope you guys enjoy the episode because Damien and I started fighting about Kyle and Kim literally within two minutes. Within within literally two minutes, I was I chose violence because I kept referencing Kyle versus Kim to fuck with him, and I was unfortunately successful. Um, guys, ladies, listen. Oh my god! So that's coming up, guys, next week. But in the meantime, where can people go and follow you on social and listen to your pod? And who have you had on it? Who are some guests that they can? that our fellow Bravoholics can enjoy. Yeah, so you can listen to us wherever you're listening to this podcast. So just type in the search bar, Real Moms of Bravo. You'll see a purple logo pop up. That is us. Mm. You can follow us on Instagram at Real Moms of Bravo. Um, Bravo Labs that we've had on, we've had Hubs, Lindsay Hubs, Craig mm. Conover, Jackie Goldschneider, Margaret Josephs. Um, Anisha uh, from Family Anisha Karma. Anisha really from fun. Family Karma. Yeah. Sheena had a really fun conversation. But on top of that, we have bonus episodes just relating to like things specific to motherhood. So we had, there's a great account called Feeding Littles. And we had that person on our show. Um, yeah. So sleep in we, the city. Yeah. Basically the, the things city. that you worry about as mom. Feeding your kid and your kid sleeping. We, so we got you covered. We got you covered. And we try to do it. We can't try to keep it short and sweet. But sometimes we're long-winded. Well, I have no idea what that experience must be like, but um, I hear about it through Dorit. And so that's all I have to say about that. Guys, while you're following Real Moms of Bravo, follow me on social at Dame Galley. Join the Andy Scrolls Patreon where you get exclusive bonus episodes, invites to special Zoom key keys and more. That's patreon.com slash Andy Scrolls. New episode going up soon, Satchel Spectacular, which with all of your satchels of gold, which for new AGs are your thoughts and feels, questions and concerns. Concerns. 
named in honor of Her Holiness Kelly Corn Ben Simone and so much more. AG Live, the special episode will be out on Tuesday. Hope you are all staying safe, staying sane, getting vaccinated if you can, and we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye.